Hey guys, welcome back to Handling It. I'm your host, Catherine, and as you know, I thought I had my life all figured out, and then I realized I really, really didn't. But I'm handling it, and one of the best ways I've learned how to do that is to talk with others on how they're handling their own lives. This week, I'm chatting with Christina Cho. Now, some of you may know of Christina already if you're a foodie like me and know of her Instagram account, Icho Food. Her story is one that I find really interesting and super inspiring as she studied architecture but then learned that her true passion really lies in cooking and baking. Now, Christina currently lives in San Francisco, and not only does she teach cooking classes, but she's also working on her very first cookbook that will be published next year. I've personally been struggling in my life to find the time to cook and also find enjoyment in cooking during the work week. I mean, come on, to some of us, the idea of boiling a pot of water and chopping vegetables after a long day of work just seems a little exhausting. So I'm really excited to get her advice and hear about her journey with cooking and hopefully incorporate that new teaching into my own life. I hope you guys really enjoy this episode, so sit down and get comfortable and grab a snack even because you're definitely going to be getting hungry during this episode. All right, enjoy guys. Well, Christina, thank you so much for coming on. As I said to you earlier, I had been looking into doing an episode revolving around cooking and how, you know, people can incorporate cooking and just food in general into their daily lives and make it fun and not just something that I feel like a lot of people tend to think of it as like this arduous (laughs) like time consuming process and it doesn't have to be and that's something I'm even trying to still teach myself Mm -hmm. so I'm really excited to get like learn about your journey and I guess we can begin with that I mean how did you know cooking become a part of your life it's so for me, cooking has pretty much been a part of my life since the day I was born. Um, mm-hmm. From I I grew up in a restaurant family, so my family is a Chinese family, and uh, they immigrated from Hong Kong and mm-hmm. ended up in Cleveland, Ohio, um, in the late in the late sixties, early seventies. And so from then, uh, my grandpa, who was actually like a teacher before, like he taught like grade school, like English, reading and writing and stuff like that. Oh, wow. Um, but but like as he decided to make the decision of moving his entire family to America, he knew that he couldn't really teach anymore. And so he picked up, he took a few cooking classes before he um, made the move over here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once he got to the States, he worked a few restaurant jobs and saved enough money in a few years to start opening up his own restaurants. And so from even before I was born, it, like food was such like a pivotal part of my entire family. It's it's where all my, my mom, my mom my aunts and my uncles like my grandparents they all like worked in the restaurant together mm-hmm. and even my mom and all her siblings they had other jobs because they were pursuing you know like the American dream like going to college and getting their own degrees and starting careers in other fields but then after work they would still go to the restaurant and be like a hostess or <laughs> a restaurant manager and so um yeah so just like being in a restaurant environment has been such an important part of my life and my upbringing essentially the first 10 years of my life I think yeah the first 10 years of my life I spent at my grandparents like last restaurant before they retired um so I I got 
I was in like a little baby carrier there. My mom would tell me stories of how I was just like out, like the patrons would come by the restaurant and like come say hi to me because they thought I was like the cute new baby at the restaurant. And <laughs> as I got older, I would go there after school and do homework at, at the bar, <laughs> which is like kind of funny. <laughs> I would do like my math homework at the bar, like while no one else was there. It was like in the middle of the day. That's <laughs> um, awesome. And so, yeah. And so even after that restaurant closed, um, um, my family didn't have any more restaurants after that. Like we don't have one now, but, um, mm-hmm. cause it was more like my grandparents, like profession, you know, and my, fa- sure. my aunts, uncles just kind of kept it going. But even after that, like we would have family dinners, like every, like traditional, like family dinners, like every Sunday going to dim sum in the mornings, um, which oh, is always wow. cooking. That was like our main family activity. Um, so food has always been a part of my life, but then eventually I kind of made a, I, I didn't end up going into food directly, so I ended up studying architecture instead. So I eventually right. made my way back. I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna say you went into architecture. That's so interesting, and and you just made the switch not too long after that. Yeah, um, I so I I wanted for a little period of my time, like maybe when I was like twelve or so, mm-hmm. I I was like I want to go to culinary school. I told my mom that like I want to go to culinary school. I want to be like grandpa and like cook. Um, but then as I got into high school, when I like developed, I don't know, as you become your own person, you develop your own like passions and what you like to do. And I've always loved art and creating things. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I got like very much into pretty much, I I love to paint. I love to do ceramics. I loved like building things with my hands and anything like crafty projects. I would like love getting into, um, and so I, when I was in high school, I enrolled in like a kind of like a technical drawing class where you would focus on like learning how to essentially do draw blueprints, you know, like technical, technical drawings for like houses and things like that. And mm-hmm. like the technical aspect of it, like wasn't really fulfilling me, but I loved like designing the houses and like drawing the elevations and renderings and coloring them and stuff. Um, and so by the time it was time to pick a major and decide what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I was like, I'll do architecture. It seemed like a really great, like halfway between something that's like technical and professional, but then also like artistic. Um, so I ended up studying architecture at the university of Cincinnati. Um, so I was there for four years. And even when I was there, I, I somehow transitioned a lot of my architecture projects into food. Um, (laughs) my, I think I probably should have like took that as like a hint that like my mind was somewhere else, but I kept going with it (laughs) for as long as I could. I I think my, my senior project was a grocery store. Oh Um, my goodness. It was like redesigning (laughs) the future of the grocery store. That's um, awesome. And, then I, and then I would have pop-up dinners at my professor's studios and stuff. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And so, yeah. I mean, clearly, you know, cooking and just the whole, like, food industry in general, like, had such a tie with you. Um, mm-hmm. Growing up, you know, whether it be in the restaurant or just, like, at home with your family, I feel like people associate cooking with bringing individuals together whether, Mm -hmm. you know, friends, family, it's really a communal activity. And is that something that you found very true for you? For sure. And I, I I think I, I actually kind of grapple with it sometimes because now that food is like my profession, like I, it's a very 
singular activity for me, like during the day, <laughs> like as I'm, when I'm working, I'm pretty much by myself. Um, but growing up and in a more casual setting, like food was definitely how you brought your family together, how you brought your friends together. And for me, it was kind of how I, I connected with people I didn't really know so much. I was like, hey, like, just come over for dinner. And that, that, was, that seemed like a very neutral and like easy way to get to know somebody. Right. Um, and I think even, and I think as adults, like people are always talking about like, oh, it's so hard to like make new friends <laughs> as mm-hmm. an adult, like after you like leave college, you know, but it doesn't have to be so hard. Like everyone, everyone eats and everyone like hopefully enjoys eating food. Um, and very it really true. doesn't take that much effort to like invite someone over just to make like a big pot of pasta. Uh-huh. You know, you don't, you don't have to make the noodles and the sauce from scratch, but like just the, the communal, there's something about everyone being in a kitchen together that I think relaxes everyone. Um, so oh, for food sure. has always been for me how I just connect with people in general. It's so funny. And I guess spirit of doing this episode with you, my friend and I, you know, one of my really good friends, uh, she's working on going back to school and, you know, both of us with our day jobs, it's really hard to see each other during the week. So we actually, you know, (laughs) with this crazy busy weekend and like daylight savings and everything going on, we were trying to get together and we said, you know what, how about Sunday afternoon, we'll get together and just cook and we can meal prep. And it, like, at least we'll be doing something productive that we have to do, but we could do it together and make it just a little more fun and still get to socialize and, you know, check in and see how we're oh, yeah. doing. That's so. awesome. I love the idea of a meal prep party. Like, I've never, yeah. <laughs> I've never thought about that before, but that sounds great. Yeah, you know, because it's something you have to do, and it's yeah. going to take time out of your day either way. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you have a friend or multiple people who have to get the job done as well, you know, you can make mm-hmm. it fun and knock it out together. For so. sure. And you can, like, everyone can make, like, a different component. So maybe you have something that's a little bit more exciting on Wednesday. Exactly. Versus eating, like, the, the exact <laughs> same thing Monday through Friday. Yes. And, you know, that's another thing that I started because I I do like to cook. I, I really do. Um, mm-hmm. At times I struggle with, you know, oh, having to chop stuff up. I'm not a great chopper at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I feel like it always takes me so long to like get everything get ready, a, all the get ingredients. Get a good knife. That's get what I would say about Ooh. chopping. Do you have any, like, <laughs> I mean, is that a thing brands? Like, do you have any brands that you would suggest or like cooking? Like where do, where do you get your cooking wear? Um, so I'm, I'm very bad with like, <laughs> I'm very bad with like brands or like shouting out, but I recently got, um, for Christmas, I got my brother um, some shun knives okay. uh, because he, he's in medical school. And he's like just now getting he's also he's a huge meal prepper, by gotcha. the way. But he um, is just getting into cooking. And so I was kind of getting him like the basic stuff. And he had like kind of like a really crappy, just like um, very dull knives. And so I got mm-hmm. him like a, a shun um, uh, shun kitchen knife, um, like a Japanese a Santoku, a Japanese style chef knife. And it was right. so sharp, so easy to work with. And my mom was, like, using it the entire time during Christmas because she loved it so much. And so I told her I would get her one for her birthday, which is coming in, like, a few months. Oh, um, awesome. But those are really great. Um, otherwise, like, I, so I live in San Francisco, and mm-hmm. there is a cutlery store in the Mission. That's called uh, Bernal Cutlery. Ooh. And they have a bunch of, like, really great knives 
um, in our household. Like, we're huge fans of any type of, like, Japanese knife. Um, Mm -hmm. My boyfriend got me the knives that I I work with now about four years ago um, from, I'm terrible, I don't know the name. No worries (laughs) at all. But from some Japanese, like, father and son, like, in Japan that are making knives because he gets really nerdy and likes to research. (laughs) I love that. that. (laughs) Yeah. So, but if you can find a really sharp Japanese knife, I'm pretty sure you're, you're set. Awesome. Yeah. Cause that's something yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I know I have like really like shitty knives like, that I think I got from like TJ Maxx or, you know, yeah, wherever. Yeah, my brother had them before too. <laughs> yeah. So that'll definitely be, I'll do my homework and try yeah. and, you know, yeah, look into some better everything. stuff. <laughs> definitely. And, you know, but I, I have been trying to you know, take the time during the week and cook new meals. I have a couple different recipe books, like different cooking books that, um, I try and use for reference or inspiration and, you know, it's, it's tough, but it's something I'm still trying to work on. And I, cause I do love to cook, but I feel like mm-hmm. people do struggle in finding the time. So mm-hmm. how do you like, do you have specific days during the week when you like to meal prep or just make a good meal for yourself? Yeah. Um, so I guess, so I, I can talk about it in terms of before my life before when I used to work um, mm-hmm. in architecture and then, because it's kind of different now when I used to work in architecture and have like a job and an office I would go to every day right. versus now where I work from home. So I'm pretty mm-hmm. much, I'm home all day cooking all day. And so I feel <laughs> like I've encountered a few different types of challenges with just feeding myself, which is ironic when you work in food. <laughs> um, um, so I, just to like admit, I'm a terrible meal prepper. Um, okay. I, I feel like I, I go through phases where maybe every three to five months I'll be like, I'm going to start meal prepping. Mm-hmm. And then I, I bust out <laughs> the five containers that I have that I bought a few <laughs> years ago <laughs> to, to meal prep. And then I end up making like a grain. It's always like a grain, a vegetable and like some type of protein. And I throw Mm -hmm. it all in there. And, (laughs) and then after like maybe the second day that I eat it, I'm like done. Like, I'm just like, I want to eat something different. (laughs) That's literally me. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's like the biggest problem that I encounter with people who are like, I can't meal prep. I'm like, I'm the same way. Cause I, I get, I'm, I also don't really like eating leftovers that much. Like Mm -hmm. if I eat, I'll eat the leftover one time. If I eat right. it a second time, I feel the same way. I'm like, I'm done. Like, I kind of just, I need another flavor or That's something else. Totally like, I'm constantly, like, I need textures. I need a variety of my life. Like, I can't eat the same thing every day. Mm-hmm. Whereas my boyfriend, if you made him a ham and cheese sandwich every day for the rest of his life, I think he would be fine. <laughs> yeah. like, he, like, he loves all types of food. But he's like, there's people who are fine with consistency, you know? Sure. Um, and so, um, for me... Um, when I used to, so to answer the meal prep question, I'm not very good at that. Okay. No <laughs> worries. Time, I feel like none I, of us I are. I loved cooking dinner for myself. Um, that was before when I used to, my life, when I used to work in architecture, I would, um, I would count down the minutes that I could like leave so I can go home and cook. That's literally the <laughs> thing I was thinking about. I'm like, what am I going to make for dinner? Um, and I love chopping going back to what you were saying, how like you don't really love chopping or uh-huh. takes too long or something like that. Like get a really good knife and then chopping starts to become like a very great meditative practice. I swear. It's like, awesome. I, I loved chopping vegetables at the end of my day. Um, 
you just kind of get like really methodical with it like you have carrots and onions and stuff like once mm-hmm. you get into the practice and get comfortable with your knife and how to safely cut you know like be mindful of your hands like you get you kind of go into autopilot and it's like okay. very relaxing to prep food Ooh. um yeah yeah I swear try it like <laughs> I trust you'll, you'll, you'll get to yeah you'll get to that point where it starts to become relaxing um and then um for dinner so I I try to like I love cookbooks mm-hmm. and I, I have a really extensive collection of cookbooks and I, I kind of read them like novels um but I I'm not great at cooking directly from cookbooks unless it's like from something like special like a very special dish that I, or like a I, I, I cook a lot from, like, baking books for sure, but savory-wise, I kind of read it for just, like, inspiration, like, flavor inspiration, mm-hmm. um, but I rarely, like, follow the recipe, like, 1,000%. Okay. Um, but then when it comes to, like, cooking dinner, I think I, – I don't really follow recipes for dinner necessarily because a lot of my dinners are composed of, like – um, what my mom would always make is just like a rice plate and so you would have like a rice or like a carb c- component and then like a vegetable and then like a protein you know like very very standard mm-hmm. and sometimes it's like uh bok choy sauteed in like garlic or oh, um, other types of greens <laughs> or kale like sauteed in oyster sauce uh-huh. and that takes like five minutes and then your protein could be like some tofu some like fried tofu or um mm-hmm. like a a ginger like marinated chicken thigh or something you know it's like very kind of like component based it's a lot of like my meals um and I think you could kind of use that same mindset for meal prepping or even just thinking of like your food as just like little components instead of like one big massive um endeavor will make cooking not so intimidating you know like you're not making a complete like casserole type of thing you're just like I'm just like stir-frying some vegetables and like pan mm-hmm. searing one chicken thigh you know like it's, that it's makes not a ton that of sense. huge of yeah. a deal when you think of it like that oh neat yeah, yeah and that's it's interesting because my I guess relationship with food and with cooking you know I grew up my mom was like the typical like all like whip up five like different types of meals before I go to work and oh, she oh, yeah. yeah she was just like super like cook like love to do it and she'd do like Mm -hmm. typical like American like home meals like meatloaves and you know Mm -hmm. stuffed peppers and all that kind of stuff and which is great and so delicious but my dad was the opposite he didn't cook as much as my mom but he loved to experiment with foods Mm -hmm. and you know I think he grew up he grew up a military brat and sort of lived all over growing up And I don't know if, you know, and then he went into the military himself. So he was just in an array of different countries. And I, I guess that maybe explains why he cooked so many meals that he did. Like he would do German food. I mean, he would dive into Thai and do like different curry dishes and Japanese. And so he like, he really liked to experiment with food. So I had my mom who cooked a lot and my dad who just really liked to like get funky with flavors. <laughs> right. And it's probably nice that your parents had like a balance of that. Cause maybe you wouldn't want to eat all of your dad's experiments like every day. Right. <laughs> you know, you're like, I just want the good meatloaf today. Yes. And I feel like because they love to cook, you would think I would cook with them, but that's not like really what happened. I just ended up being like, you know, I'd come downstairs from like doing homework and like have my meal or, uh-huh. you know, everything was just, like, presented in front of me, and I never really had that experience of 
cooking a lot. I would bake, I guess, with my mom, but you know, I didn't really spend a lot of time in the kitchen growing up cooking. So that's something I'm trying to make up for now. And I think it takes a very patient parent to allow your kids in the kitchen with you for a lot, for a lot of prep. (laughs) Because I would say like, even though I grew up in a restaurant family, Mm -hmm. like I was around (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I was wa- and I was watching, but I wasn't necessarily like allowed to get into like the nitty gritty of doing things. Like my mm-hmm. like my grandpa taught me how to scramble eggs and stuff like that, and my mom taught right. me how to like safely use a knife when I was little. But mm-hmm. I didn't get serious in the cooking until maybe when I like left for college, you know, and they weren't around uh-huh. to cook for me anymore. So yeah, I <laughs> one of my favorite stories. <laughs> When I was young, oh, I was young, but sadly, I don't think young enough, like maybe like eight (laughs) or nine. (laughs) So like old enough to have sort of like a developed-ish brain, but you know, (laughs) still kind of young. But I was, I was baking with my mom and I think we were uh, like melting chocolate to do like chocolate covered, what, whatever, you know, chips, Uh uh, whatever. And... I put, when we were like stirring, she had me stirring the melted chocolate. And then like, you know, you'd put more chocolate chips in and then you have to put the bowl in the microwave. And in that process, I put the spoon in the microwave with the bowl. And that I think was the biggest like lesson for me. Cause after that incident, like I started getting so many lectures every time I was in the kitchen and like, you know, that's when you know, they taught me everything from like how to use a knife properly and like what, you know, how to wash certain products and all that good stuff. But yeah, that was like one of my, my cooking nightmares or baking nightmares, I guess you can say. (laughs) Well, I I don't blame you. Like I like cook, like with cooking, like you can, if it's weird in the middle of it, you can like kind of fix it, you know, but Mm -hmm. with baking, like you're just mixing everything up and hoping and praying that after 35 minutes or whatever in the oven, it comes out right. And you never know. Oh, you know, like (laughs) I am, I still don't know like how bakers do it when it comes to like baking a cake or baking, like I'll even do like you know different breads and like muffins Mm -hmm. I am such a worry wart when it comes to making sure everything's cooked through properly Mm -hmm. because there's such a thin line between making sure something's done like and then it just being completely like not cooked for sure or and then if you leave it in too long it can you know get like burnt to a crisp Right. So when, I, when I when I bake, I always start. You know how in, in recipes they tell you like open an oven for, and they give you normally a range right. between like twenty eight to like thirty. I always start with the lowest number, and if if I'm like really concerned about whether or not it's going to be like cooked through all the way, like even even with meats, like people will sometimes use like a meat thermometer mm-hmm. to check if the center or like whatever te- internal temperature is for the type of meat that they want. Right. You can do the same. You can do the same thing for breads. Like if you're doing like. Like, for my book right now, I'm developing a lot of, like, baked breads. Mm-hmm. And typically, if it's at 200 degrees internal temperature, it's ready. Um, and so that's, like, a great way of testing to see if your bread is, like, done. If you don't want to, like, so stick true. your knife. Because, like, well, you can't, like, if you stick your knife in there, you're not going to have the same effect with, like, the cake in a toothpick, you yes. know, test. You know, like, mm-hmm. it's going to be, it's just going to come out. And so that's why checking the temperature of your bread is great if you're starting to get into things like that. But otherwise, a toothpick trick is pretty good mm-hmm. definitely <laughs> it's, and also knowing and also knowing your oven 
Um, oh, like, that's such a big one. Because the oven I have now, like, everything in my apartment is just, like, amplified. Like, hot... If you want hot water, like, you will get scalding hot water, you know? Like, so yes. I have to take that into <laughs> such consideration. Like, I, yes. I warn people when they come over and they're, like, washing your hands. <laughs> I'm like, mm-hmm. make sure you don't turn it too far because, like, you will get scalding hot water. Scalded, yes. And yeah. then even yeah, with uh, my oven... Your kitchen helps a lot. Like, I yes. It's crazy because it's, like... I don't know, we're in year 2020, like, why don't all ovens work the same way? Oh, I know. (laughs) You know, it's, like, literally every single person's oven's different. Like, just turning it on, like, you have gas or the temperature inside. Like, thankfully, our oven is pretty, it's, like, not a fancy oven, it's, like, an old apartment oven, but it's Uh pretty rock solid, and the temperature is always spot on. We have, like, a little thermometer (laughs) dial inside just to, like, check, and so thankfully, it's, like, I think it's a good controlled temperature oven but awesome. for everyone else a lot of people's ovens like it's always so cold when they have like a hot spot or something so right you gotta know know your appliances for sure well I'm really excited I want to know first of all your social media page which I'll be plugging and like leave it all in the episode bio but your social media page is so fun I love looking at all the different food on it <laughs> like the other Thank night you. I was like checking it out because you had just put a post up and it looked so darn good Everything on there is just so colorful and fun. Um, I want to know, what are some of your favorite meals to make? Like, what are your go-tos? Oh, gosh. So, it sounds generic, or not generic, but, like, ironic coming from me. But I love making dumplings. Like, that's oh, such a boring answer coming from I love from hearing me. that. Um, but I, I love making dumplings in my freezer. My freezer is about 25% dumplings right now. Um, which I guess Amazing. going back, I'm sorry, I'm trying to defend myself with meal prepping. Dumplings are great <laughs> for meal prepping because you can really? freeze them raw. Yeah, they're perfect. Like, awesome. you freeze them raw on a sheet pan, and then once they're solid, you just throw them in a Ziploc bag and then just cook them as you would, like, fresh dumplings. Mm-hmm. I always forget about that. I tell people that all the time. Just always have um, dumplings in your freezer. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah. And then what else do I love to make? I love making noodle soups of any Ooh. kind. Um, I love making, uh, jook, which is, I just shared a recipe for that this week, but jook is essentially just like a rice porridge. It mm-hmm. takes about like an hour to make and all it is, is just like water and rice and then like your seasonings and you just like stir it every few minutes for an hour. So it get, kind of breaks down and gets really creamy. Um, it's okay. like super, super comforting. And then like one cup of rice can feed you for like four days. Mm-hmm. Um, um, it's super tasty and really, really easy. Um, what else? I also, I love making fried rice. That's like a classic in my, in my, in my family. (laughs) Um, that's probably the first thing I learned to make in college, I think by myself. And I would Mm -hmm. like make it for my friends or, um, I'll tell my boyfriend this. I would make it if, like, I was, like, interested in a boy. I would, like, make him fry. <laughs> like, come over for fried rice, you know? And they're like, oh, this is so good. I love that. I <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I love making that. Um, and then just, like, baking. Those are – just baking in general is what I love to do in awesome. the kitchen. Yeah, I – well, when you said noodle dishes, so I'm curious because I've been wanting to, you know, sometimes I'll make ramen, but mm-hmm. I feel like I don't do it justice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so is it, is it packaged ramen? Yes. I'll make the package and like put, you know, my own like fresh ingredients For in sure. it. Yeah. I but, love doing that. Like, I, I rarely ever make my own ramen noodles, so, like, there's no shame. Yeah. <laughs> but, I'm cu- yeah. but I'm curious, like, what... 
you know, what brands do you use in terms of noodles? Because I feel like I just use, you know, whatever's whatever I see on the store shelf because most of the mm-hmm. stores I go into, it's not like they – I'm probably going to the wrong stores. Just mm-hmm. your, like, generic grocery store. So I highly recommend – and so you live in New York City, correct? I do. I do. Okay. So you should have good access to, like, really great Asian markets. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I recommend everyone goes and – um, even, like, I, I grew up in Cleveland, which is, like, you wouldn't think would have, like, great access to, like, Chinese markets or anything like uh-huh. that. But it did have, like, a small Chinatown there and a decent amount of, um, like, Asian grocery stores. And so I think, like, mm-hmm. most towns, small towns, mm-hmm. should have, like, some type of <laughs> tiny, like, Asian grocery store that should supply these types of things. But I yeah. love going to the Asian grocery store and going to, like, their... Um, if they have a fresh noodle section, that's, like, the best. That's, like, where I go to first. Okay. Um, they have, like, my store has, like, a section of, like, fresh uh, rice noodles that are Ooh. super good. Like, the thin and wide ones and, like, rice noodle rolls. And those are super tasty. Mm-hmm. And they never really have, like, a brand name on it. It just, like, has a sticker deck that says it is what it is. Uh-huh. Um, and, and there's also... Um, other than rice noodles, then there's, like, the egg noodles and um, just, like, regular wheat noodles. And so I, I just kind of check the Asian grocery store and seeing first what fresh noodles they have. Because if you can get fresh noodles first, that would definitely be better. Sure. Um, and then uh, for anything dried, if you can only get dried noodles. Um, for rice noodles, I love getting, I think it's Three Sisters. Um, mm-hmm. Three Sisters rice noodles. You can probably tell by the packaging because there's like three like beautiful Asian ladies on the package, Aww. which I love. Um, and then um, for my favorite like instant ramen hack, like mm-hmm. I love um, Otogi. Otogi, okay. they're a Korean brand, but I love Otogi um, instant ramen packages. And their noodles are the best. I think Ooh. the best dried dried instant noodle. They cook in like one to two minutes. And okay. I, I, I end up sometimes I'll, like the soup package is good too, but I love actually just like, like I'll just save the soup packages for something else later and just cooking the noodles mm-hmm. and I'll use those noodles like in my own soup base or they're really great for just like, if you just want to toss it in chili oil. Yeah. Um, and that, that's like an instant meal. Like it's so good. Just like oh, otogi awesome. noodles and chili oil with like some vegetables and a fried egg. Like, that's, like, a very cheap, quick I'm meal. I'm so hungry. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, it's funny because, you know, in New York, I don't live as close to Chinatown, which I guess would be, like, my instant go-to hub for finding, you know, a great Asian grocery store. But when I was in uh, Dublin, I had studied abroad when I was in college in, in Dublin, Ireland, and I was so surprised because Dublin, I mean, or Ireland in general, like, clearly a predominantly like very 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 white Irish country (laughs) I was surprised that they really do have an awesome like Asian community in Dublin and while it's such a small city too you could easily walk everywhere and that's how I sort of stumbled into um, this part of town where it was just all these different Asian restaurants and they had a really awesome Asian grocery store there. And it was my first time ever really inside and exploring a, like a 100% Asian grocery store where they had exactly what you were talking about, like fresh produce you can buy, like all kinds of like, oh my goodness, like bok choy, beans, like all different mm-hmm. kinds of things, fresh noodles. Um, mm-hmm. You can get your soups there, like fresh from the chef. It was so cool. And then even just dumpling wrappers, like all different kinds of frozen stuff that you can go and buy. 
Mm-hmm. It was so interesting. So that's definitely, I'm glad you said that because that's going to be my goal now is to find that in New York because I know there's yeah. definitely bet, so many. And I bet you have one closer to you that might not be in Chinatown potentially. Right. I'm going to do some yeah. research. I'm going to do mm-hmm. some re- research for sure. Mm-hmm. But yes. And even like, oh, over the years, like it's been so fun, like taking advantage of all the different kinds of restaurants I have near me, whether they mm-hmm. be like, oh, there's like a really great Mexican restaurant by me and oh, soup dumplings like that is I feel yeah. like it's the hype of the past like couple years have been soup dumplings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm so glad I like hopped on that bandwagon because my friends and I like we absolutely adore them. And there's some mm-hmm. really great places in New York. One of my favorite places is in Fort Lee, New Jersey, which is unfortunately mm-hmm. like outside of the city like you have to go across the George Washington Bridge to get to (laughs) so whenever I'm like going out of the city I always make it like top priority to stop there because they have incredible there's an incredible soup dumpling restaurant it's called soup dumplings plus for anybody in the city who's listening (laughs) um it's so awesome but Ooh, I'll have to add that to my list. My boyfriend's from New Jersey, so we go. Oh, awesome. Yeah, Yeah, I mean. Not that far from the city, like maybe an hour out, so. Yeah, there's so many restaurants there and so many soup dumpling restaurants there too that, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's so hard to know like which one to go to. And every time we go, I'm always Mm -hmm. saying, oh, I'm going to try a different one. But Mm -hmm. I continuously end up there. And it's one of the most packed, like it's always packed with people. So in a lot of times you do have to wait. So I, I take that as like, it's a pretty darn good restaurant and, mm-hmm. you know, definitely one to yeah. hit. I said, so. I want some now. It's yes. been on my list to <laughs> finally like perfect my soup dumpling. Uh, I feel like I, I've made like accidental soup dumplings just because the filling mm-hmm. was so juicy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that, that it gives the effect of like soup dumpling, but I haven't like fully master the art of like they, they make like the way that you make like soup in the dumplings you make like kind of like a broth gelatin base and then you like gotcha. cut it and like mix it into your meat filling and then nice. once it cooks the gelatin kind of like melts and becomes your broth and so I haven't like fully mastered the technical like that whole like technical the gelatin. aspect gotcha. of making a soup dumpling yet but I will soon Yes, definitely. Do it and then let me know how it goes yeah. and I will hopefully, you know, try and make yeah, my own. Give it a try. Yes. But that's so interesting because you are, you know, working on a cookbook, right? Mhm. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So what's that process been like? I mean, why do you want to, you know, do a cookbook? I'm sure it's because you've spent so much of your life cooking. For sure. Um so the whole process of this cookbook has just been like so what? Uh-huh. Is baking. There's there's gonna be a few dumpling recipes in there because I have one chapter that's called Chinese breakfast because a lot of Chinese bakeries have like a savory breakfast component, like diner style component. Okay. Um, so I'm trying to inter- introduce that aspect. Like not everything's only a bun mm-hmm. at a Chinese bakery or cakes and things like that. Like it's so Chinese bakeries are just so like dynamic and multifaceted mm-hmm. that I'm really excited to kind of tell the world more about it. Um, awesome. But I. So my, my agent reached out to me uh, while I was actually still working in architecture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was kind of serendipitous because it was around the time that I was mentally planning on kind of qu- on quitting my job and just jumping into working in food and on my blog full time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of took it as just a sign from the universe telling me that, like, Christina, you should just do it. Like, 
you know, like, someone wants to write a book, and Definitely. who knows if it'll actually happen or not, but at least someone's interested, mm-hmm. you know, um, and so that was, like, Mar- a year ago, like, last March, so my agent reached out to me, um, I ended up leaving my job in May, and, oh, wow. and I, and to say, like, I didn't leave 1,000% because I was, I was like, oh, I'm gonna get this book deal, like, I'm gonna be set, like, I, I uh-huh. had already kind of created, like, a small, like, a business plan for myself, like, not including the book, right, to kind of survive in San Francisco of all places, like, <laughs> as an independent, as an independent person, which is, like, kind of scary, but, um, oh, yeah, but, but as I, as I left my job, and in the months following that, I was, like, working on my cookbook proposal, um, which I'm just going to keep saying it, it was scary and intimidating because I, for my job, like writing is a huge component of my job because I, I write captions, I write on my blog. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say that like writing, I would say I'm a good writer, but I'm not as super confident because I, I didn't study English. My major mm-hmm. had almost nothing to do with writing. Like we were building little things out of cardboard. That was my right. major. Um, <laughs> And, like, drawing pictures, you know? So, like, writing wasn't a huge component of, like, what I had been doing as my professional life for so long, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so I I somehow got this, like, proposal done, which if um, writing a cookbook proposal is a lot like writing a business plan. You're, you're writing about what your book is, mm-hmm. what it offers to kind of, like, the landscape of books now. Um, the competition and then you kind of give like a little sample of your book like a sample essay and outline and sample recipes and things like that and you're essentially just trying to like prove to publishers that like your book would be interesting and would be and would sell Mm -hmm. um and then um I didn't really hear anything from any publishers for maybe like two months or so but then right before Thanksgiving um I had some phone interviews and calls and discussions, and then I think it was, like, the Monday before Thanksgiving, I got a call and said that HarperCollins wanted to do a book with me, which was, like... That's awesome. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I was, I was shocked, and I, and that was, I don't know, in November, so I still am shocked, and it's March right now, so... (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm still just, like, in complete disbelief that I'm working on this book. That's so fun. And like, I can't wait to see how it goes. But one of the things that you said that was so interesting is, you know, Chinese baking. I feel like, Mm -hmm. for example, my friend right now, she's in South Korea and was out and about and like posting so many fun videos online about different Mm -hmm. bakeries she was going to. And that's Mm -hmm. one thing I feel like with, at least for me and like the people I know, I feel like with Asian food, it's typically like the savory meals everyone knows. Mm -hmm. And when it came to baking, I mean, she was putting up these pictures of these really interesting, you know, pastries. And I had no idea like South Korea had such different, you know, bakery, bakery items and different types of recipes that they're known for and that they like really (laughs) like look incredible. Um, But yeah, so that was so interesting. And you know, same thing, I guess, with Chinese baking. It's typically, I feel like, the savory, like, cooking dishes mm-hmm. um, that you're making. Mm-hmm. That... For sure. And I and I think, like, I can't speak directly on, like, Korean baking, but, like, like there's, like, baking so important in, like, so many Asian cultures, like, Korean, Japanese, and, mm-hmm. and Chinese. And, and I've been, like, researching 
pretty deep into like the history of like Chinese baking and um and again I can't say that this is a reason for like Korean or Japanese but it's a lot of just like western influence you know like a lot of Chinese baking and mm-hmm. it's relatively some of the recipes are relative a lot of the recipes are relatively new things like uh like pineapple buns and relatively new I'm, I'm saying like maybe like 60 years or so it's not like okay. people were making pineapple buns or right. uh baked buns like 2,000 years ago you know uh-huh. like maybe they're making mooncakes and things like that like that would be like a super traditional bake right. um but a lot of it stems from just like Hong Kong and Hong Kong is such like an international city and was under British rule for so long that mm-hmm. I think a lot of the pastry chefs there were kind of just getting European influence Mm-hmm. Um, and learning how to do things like enriched doughs, um, bread and like tarts and stuff like that. Like, ha- have you ever had an egg tart before? Like, like no, tar- I have tar- not, but that sounds so interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like a Chinese, a Chinese egg tart is like such a quintessential aspect of like Chinese baking. Like it's, you, you eat it, um, at dim sum. It's like kind of like mm-hmm. the last bite you have at dim sum. Um, it's what people kind of search for in Chinese bakeries. If like, like my parents, like we would go to Chicago like every maybe like once a year or something and then stop at a Chinese bakery to get some like egg tarts and some other buns because that's like what my parents would crave so much from Mm. like Hong Kong and stuff like that um and so yeah so there's all these like little pastries and aspects of like Chinese baking that like are so incredible that so much of America or just like the western world doesn't know about Mm -hmm. so and soon you'll be able to make it in your own kitchen Awesome. Yes. I know. I can't yeah. wait. I mean, that sounds so, so exciting and so interesting. And that's yeah. definitely like now I'm so motivated to start like researching different bakeries mm-hmm. in New York because I know they're out there. I've actually been to in Koreatown. There's a couple really um, interesting bakeries that also serve bubble tea, which I love. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I've so experimented with some uh, Korean uh, bakery like mm-hmm. items. But, yeah, you, yeah, you should just go to Chinatown and get some fresh noodles, get a bubble tea, yes. find an egg tart, awesome. <laughs> and or, order a pineapple bun. A There's pine- no pineapple in it. It just kind of looks like a pineapple, but that's, Ooh, okay. uh, that's like the class. It has like a, it's like a, it's a, it's like a baked bun and the top has kind of like a buttery, sugary, crackly cookie on mm-hmm. top that cracks in a way that looks like the patterning of a pineapple. Ooh. Um, and that's it. There's no pineapple filling in it. Okay. But it's it's so good. It's probably like the the second quintessential Chinese baked good with the egg tart. <laughs> awesome. No, I'll definitely yeah. put it on my list. But yeah. and then one of the other things you do, you teach cooking classes as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah, it's always hard to describe my job to people. <laughs> like, I do. Well, you have so many hats. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, so I also cook. Or I saw. I also teach cooking classes. Um, I started hosting my own dumpling making workshops, uh, when I left my job last year. Mm -hmm. And so about like every month or so, um, yeah, about every month I have like a dumpling workshop. I also have started teaching at a cooking school in the Bay Area called Drager's Cooking School. And so I'm there, I guess every month, yeah, every month teaching, um, a different, type of cooking class or different recipes so it's not always dumplings um the one I'm teaching one this week that's for rose dumplings they're just they don't Ooh. taste like roses but they're just dumplings that you roll up to make it kind of look like a little flower florette like a rose 
And then, like, next month, I'm teaching, um, like, handmade noodles. And so each class is, like, pretty diverse. And it's awesome to have a real kitchen. Like, the first um, the first class I ever taught on my own, like, it was in, like, a, it was a beautiful, like, sunny, bright warehouse space in the dog patch, which is a neighborhood in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. But there was no kitchen in there. So I, I just had, like, induction burners and, like, tables and tried to make it look as cute as possible. But it wasn't, like, a full-on kitchen, you know? So you're a little bit limited to what you can teach. But uh-huh. it's great to cook at an actual cooking school because they have everything and, like, multiples of everything. Awesome. Well, I know we have listeners over in California, and I know we have listeners over in Northern California because I can see the stats. I see who's listening. <laughs> so I will definitely include all this information in the episode bio um, so people can hopefully, you know, sign up or at least find, you know, more about you online and mm-hmm. hopefully follow along with some of your recipes. For sure. I love that. Come cook with me. Yeah, I'm so excited. This was so much fun. Thank you again. Um, Of course. Yeah, thank you for having me on here. It was great. Awesome. I can't wait for your cookbook. That's so fun. (laughs) Yeah, next year. So it'll be a while. Yeah, I'll be patiently waiting. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Christina. I'll be in touch. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed hearing from Christina about her journey with cooking. I know I'm super excited to look into some of the dishes she was talking about. So if you want to follow her journey, which I highly recommend you do, her social media info and link to her site are listed in the episode description. So you can even check out all of those cooking classes that she has and that we talked about in the episode. And I know she's even doing some virtual ones for all those who aren't in California. And since we all can't really leave our homes, so definitely check it out. And I do want to close by saying that my thoughts and prayers are still with you all as we work together to get through this really challenging time. I'm wishing you all lots of good health and just encourage you to keep staying inside, wash your hands, practice social distancing, and make sure to seek out help if you're not feeling well. On a brighter note, I'm so excited to be bringing you some new episodes over the next couple of weeks, so make sure you're staying tuned and keep handling it. I'll talk to you guys soon.